following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. So what you're saying is the clash makes the flash. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 18 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine, Brad. I'm from Earth. I'm your friend. You are my friend. Speaking of friends, we have a really, really special friend with us today. This is sort of a, a watershed moment. Basically, this is this is the minute where Flash Gordon Minute comes in a boy and it leaves a man because... Uh, <laughs> we're legit now. We're legit. We're legit. Crystal Beth is here. Crystal Beth, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I uh, If my teenage self could only hear another boy say that this is the point where I leave a boy and become a man... oh. It means so much to her. It means a lot to me, too. I'm glad to be here. Why don't you just give a quick, and we don't have enough time for you to say all of the Minute by Minutes that you've guessed it on, but just some of the highlights of uh, some of the other Minute by Minutes that you've uh, graced with your presence. Oh, man. I I would feel bad naming highlights because I've had so much fun on so many people's podcasts, but I can say that Star Wars Minute was my first little baby. And if you go to moviesbyminutes.com and... <laughs> listen to those at podcasts, you'll probably hear my voice. And you always bring the goods. You were nice enough to come on to Minute of Darkness, where we talked about Army of Darkness, and you were amazing. We were so happy to have you there. Oh, thank you. Wow, that's so nice. Stop it. Well, I tell you what, and I don't I don't know if we'll do it this time, but we, we did with Minute of Darkness where, and you were the only guest that we did this with because you're so sharp, you're so funny, and each episode you said something that was just like a great soundbite. And I just ah. cut those out and put them at the beginning of the episode. I was like, that's too funny. We, we can't let Ooh. people wait to get to that. we got to put it right at the front because you were always so great. Gosh, and Flash Gordon is such a great movie to have you on. Because it, 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 this it, – we got some pretty crazy funny minutes, uh, some – Ah, just some great stuff for to talk about. So uh, very excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. I'm, like I said, super excited to be here. I watched this movie for your podcast, so I'm new to it. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a, a, non, a non-veteran, what, what are your early impressions of the minute as a whole then before we even get into this minute? So I saw the movie, obviously, because you contacted me first. So I watched it before... Uh, I saw any of the minutes I had. My minute starts right with the meat and potatoes. Like I start on a different planet with these weirdos and the funniest earthling that's ever lived on the planet Earth. <laughs> and also it would be a great way to, if I had never seen this movie, and I almost wish I did it this way where I just watched these minutes because the juxtaposition of what I'm seeing versus what the movie is, is kind of different because they went through a little bit of a traumatic experience. You're like, Oh no, a flight, but this is fun. But then you see flash Gordon kind of like wakes up weird and like slaps her on the face a bunch of different times in different ways. And is like, Hey, hi, but he's kind of smiling. He's holding himself up. And he's it's, I don't know. It's, this is the weirdest movie I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it is a crazy movie. And then it's a crazy movie when you consider 
what Flash Gordon, the character, was before this. And we've talked a bit about this beforehand. And how familiar were you with the comic strips, the movie serials, the cartoons, the the other iterations of Flash Gordon leading up into this film? Completely unfamiliar. He was so much more of a serious character. In the original um, comic strip, he was like a Yale graduate uh, who was a former polo player. So he was this science adventurer. So he was very smart and a bit boring. Then you have the flash of this movie where he's a very likable, very handsome, kind of dim blank slate <laughs> going through these adventures and it's funny we keep saying that about flash in this movie and i want to make this perfectly clear i don't mean this is a, a slight to the character or to the performance from sam jones because i think it's wonderful he's great at what he's doing and you can't in my opinion you can't help but like him because he, he he's just yeah. a guy who's He's such a nice, well-meaning guy who's a little bit over his head and dealing with a bunch of like really smart, crazy, over-the-top people. And he's just like, eh, I'm just sort of flash. I'm, I'm a yeah, quarterback. Which is exactly how dumb guys work, and he plays it so well. He does. Dumb people, I mean, no one's really dumb, but people that are a little less intelligent on the like social and not intelligence-wise, but like uh, common sense-wise, I guess, they see things and they're like, well, this is what's happening right now. And they don't think ahead too far, but it also makes them so much happier to just live life. And that's what I feel like he's doing here where he's like, well, this thing just happened, but you know what? Whatever. <laughs> uh, it's So Eric, what you, recap us what what happens in this minute it's, it's and obviously we got to talk about the the handshake gun so uh we'll <laughs> yeah you know let, you know what let's let's we'll get to the other stuff there let's get right to the handshake gun let, let's not even wait let's go right to it because as a kid i didn't know what the hell this thing was i mean <laughs> i've seen this movie nine trillion times and i swear until i was in my 30s i did not figure out just what the hell this thing was with the hand shooting out of a gun and then another hand shooting out of the gun and one's grabbing his throat and one's grabbing his hand. This is, it's got to be the most insane weapon in the history of movies. It's one of those cases where a very creative mind came up with this, but you're still creating a weapon much less effective than an actual gun. (laughs) (laughs) What are you, space people? Years and years ago, uh, big comic book fan. I remember reading an issue of Solo Avengers where these bad guys were going to sneak attack Hawkeye. And they got all these high technology weapons. And it's like, oh, we got laser guns and stuff. And the first thing they did is Hawkeye's back returns. And one of the guys shot Hawkeye in the back with his laser gun. And it knocked Hawkeye down and busted up some of his arrows. So then Hawkeye had to fight the rest of the battle with like broken arrows and use his cunning instead of his bow and arrows. Looked at us like, hey, wouldn't it have been better just to just to shoot him? <laughs> A regular gun? If you shoot most people in the back, they're dead. And I was thinking the same thing. It's like, instead of having a gun that creates a hand that does some weird judo moves and stuff, it's like, just just shoot them. I, I think we're overthinking the gun thing. Which is what I thought would happen. I also watched this as an adult, so I assumed the laser button he was about to press was like a stun. Or even a cage. Even like a weird sort of uh, energy cage that kept him in there. But then when it was a giant metal hand that shot out of a tiny metal ball i was like oh this is going to be a good movie (laughs) (laughs) and you know the problem is the direction of the 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 direction of the shot doesn't help because it's 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 zoomed in too close so 
you don't really get a good sense of the whole scene of seeing the guy shooting the hand out of the gun, hitting Flash, driving him down into the ground. It's too tight. And that's that I think adds to the confusion for me of how I just I just did not know what was going on. Yeah, they were like, well, we don't have the money to be able to fund a really awesome (laughs) shot of the hand coming out of the gun. So, like, let's do a bunch of close-ups. It'll be fine. And then, like, get the stunt guy to jump and flip. It's so funny because this movie can't decide whether or not it's cheap B-movie or a big-budget science fiction extravaganza. Because, yeah, they're doing it so cheap, so they just have, like, just a close-up on the hand and we'll make it applied that it's his laser and he's going to flip around. It's like, but then you have this incredibly beautiful sets and costuming and it looks like no expense was spared. It's like, choose! Yeah! And both these things are happening in the exact same minute. It's like these, these, I mean, the costumes on this movie are just astounding. And uh, the, the backdrops and everything are beautiful and very Wizard of Oz. And uh, that's what I keep – whenever I see this scene, I think of Wizard of Oz because the way the soldiers are designed and the palace in the in the forefront. And, uh, yeah, and it's just so silly. Like when the guy looks into the, the ship, so when Flash is waking up, Oh, gosh, what's her face? See, that's how little I've watched this movie. <laughs> Dale. Is her name Dale. Dale? Yeah, Dale. So when Flash is waking up Dale, you see the two guys coming into the window, and then there's a third one, and then one of them comes around, and like you see a fourth one just peek full face into the window. It is like that kind of thing for me. That's what this whole movie is, <laughs> which is they were so – I feel like they were so excited to make this movie that they – They just let everyone do whatever they wanted because they were working on the style of it and then just let things like the like acting and weird little funny facial things just get away, which is exactly what it should be. Like, I can't honestly, if this movie was made and trying to be absolutely a perfect film, I wonder how it would have done if they took themselves too seriously. Yeah, the uh, the screenwriter. Um, we talked about this early on in the show. Lorenzo Semple, who wrote the script, who, who, for your information, wrote a bunch of the old original Batman. So that, that, that gives you a little clue there. He struggled with the script because Dino De Laurentiis, who produced it, he wanted to make the movie humorous. So they kept fiddling with the script, trying to decide, should it be funny? Should it be realistic? And so that caused a lot of problems with the script that they, they never really 100% settled on what it should be. Lorenzo Semple's point was he felt Flash Gordon was never intended to be funny. I mean, the original comic strip, it was not a humorous comic strip. It was an action adventure for you know young boys to get into. And so I think that that clash resulted in the movie that we got and it... I, it, it fits. It fits it perfectly, though. I think that the that the way the script ended up turning out because of that struggle, I think, has ended up being perfect for this movie. So what you're saying is the Clash makes the Flash. Uh. There, there's your there's your intro right there. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that is with Crystal Breath is breath. Crystal Beth. <laughs> She's got Crystal Breath. I have Crystal Breath. Is going to bring this week. She is the best. Because of the clash causes flash. <laughs> Nobody else thinks that way, folks. You don't even realize, Crystal Beth, you've, you've, uh, a couple of the comments you made, you've already set up a couple of the other points I was going to make. When you talked about how Flash just kind of, whatever happens, let's just you know keep moving along. He was kidnapped, and Zarkov knocked them out, brought them up here. He gets out of the rocket ship first. If I'm Flash, hey, Zarkov, you get the hell out of the ship first, and you go see what's going on there. Why is he getting out before Zarkov? 
Yeah, I would play dead so hard, so hard. I'd be like, nope, I am not. Nope, I'm passed out. You're not going to just kill a passed out person unless you are. I mean, and then that's 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 your MO. But, you know, when in doubt, play dead and let someone else get out. He's so brave. He could have just continued pretending that he's passed out while almost copping a feel. <laughs> <sighs> Continuing on the on, on the thread from last week when we were talking about Flash's questionable hand placements on Dale as they're passed out. <laughs> you know, he's waking her up and he's, he's grabbing her face. Yeah, a bunch of weird ways, too. That's not how yeah. you wake someone up. <laughs> was... and, and I noticed Dale's shoes are off also. I'm not sure how that happens. It's comfortable. You know, you take a nap, you sort of, without realizing, take your shoes. Everything about this movie is crazy. It just happens. <laughs> and you sort of touched upon something that's going to, I think, be a little bit of a theme throughout this week where they, they have forgiven Sarkov way too easily. Oh, yeah. Well, in a situation like that, I don't know how I would react because... When you are thrust into a new environment that is a new planet, any Earthling I was sent up with, I would trust more than the other people I was with. And the more of the people that I understood and identified with, the mo- and the more I could connect with them, the happier I'd be. So I honestly, I think I would immediately, even though I was like, yo, you literally just kidnapped me. I'd be like, but you're not an alien. You're, you're talking sense, Beth, Crystal Bath. <laughs> you're talking sense, Crystal Bath. It, it's, uh, I still think at some point Flash should have, Flash at some point just said, oh, by the way, Zarkov, and just punched him in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not saying you're wrong. I just, uh, obviously, if anyone's ever listened to me on anything, I have to find the rationale because when I watch movies, people will notice all these crazy things. And I'm like, yeah, but like, it's just because this and this and this, because I rationalize everything immediately. So it's just a habit for me to be like, yeah, well, this is why it's happening. That's because you're an actor. I know. I'm like, their motivation must have been this. As an actor, I'm sure you've been in about a thousand situations where everything's going wrong and you don't have the right props or you don't have the right light or whatever. And you, you have to just like, well, this makes sense because and A, B, and C. You just come up with your reasons why as a character it makes sense and you just move on. Well, you just made me feel less crazy or less uh, OCD about film watching. So thank you. It's because of my theatrical training that I went to college for. We get our first look at the inhabitants of Mongo. Uh, you know, Crystal Beth mentioned the, the pig-faced soldiers sticking their face in the window. <laughs> we get the skull-faced soldiers for the first time also. Um, and I want to get, I, I want to take a poll here from you two. In the comic, there are several different ways that the inhabitants of Mongo are referred to. Either the Mongonians, the Mongoans, or the Mongori. And I want to know your guys' preference. Ooh, the Mongori. See, I like Mongori too. It's more fantastical. What was the first one? Mongonians, Mongoans, or Mongori? It's Mongoans, it's Mongonians, or Mongori. I'm with you. Mongonians looks a little, sounds too pedestrian. Like Mongolian. Yeah, like Mongolian. So Mon- Mongori, I like that. That works for me. All right, we are unanimous. So that, that's how that's how they shall be referred to for the rest of the uh, Flash Gordon minute, the Mongori. The Mongori. It's also fun to just pl- pluralize anything with the I because so many, few, like so few things are octopi, octopi, o- octopi right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Octopi. So it's fun to add the I to things that you know aren't actually eyes, like the male anatomy, peni, a bunch of them. That's funny. <laughs> And then a bunch of other things. So I think that that's also why it why it's intrigues me. That that is exactly why I chose that as my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some some music stuff to talk about in this minute too, Brad. Okay. We've got some more Howard Blake music. 
some non-Queen stuff here. They uh, There's a deep electronic bass line for a few notes that, that they play as uh, we introduce the Mongo soldiers. And it's not part of the soundtrack, but it is a riff on a Queen song that we're going to hear in a few minutes. And I'm not sure whether to count that as Howard Blake music or Queen music. Did Queen write the whole thing? No. So one of the things we learned in researching this is it turns out there is non-Queen music throughout this movie by a composer named Howard Blake that's not on the soundtrack, that's not done by Queen that no one's even aware of because Queen's music so is so famous. But there is incidental music throughout here that was written by a guy named Howard Blake. I would I feel like I would give that to Mr. Blake. All right. Only my and my thought is he took Queen and made it his own to be able to portray something else. Gotcha. Yep. Oh God, that was such a millennial <laughs> way to say a sentence with the question <laughs> at the end. But I was like, that's I guess that would make sense. Like he took something that wasn't his and made it specific for a part in the movie. Like how a fifth of Beethoven is original because it's not Beethoven's fifth anymore. What? <sighs> the, the song A Fifth of Beethoven? Oh, oh, okay. I didn't know that existed. The disco uh Brad, you know this one? Or am I on my own here? God, I was actually in a play that used that, and it's a very... Uh, it, it used to be used a lot at, at like at roller discos and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, the disco song, yeah. Someone took Beethoven's Fifth and turned it into a disco song back in the disco age. Oh, I think I missed it. During our break, you'll have to YouTube it. I think it was by Walter Murphy was the uh, the performer, and it was it, it couldn't have been, it, it couldn't have been any more of a 70s thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. <laughs> sort of like, what was his name? Taco in the 80s doing uh, his version of Putting on the Ritz, which was the, the most 80s thing ever. This was the most 70s thing ever. It's like, okay, we're going to take something that's perfectly fine, doesn't need to be screw with, and then we're just going to like slather a bunch of crap from our decade on it to make you hate it. <laughs> so then we cut to the interior of the rocket. We get a little Howard Blake music that sounds almost exactly like the music in Star Wars when Obi-Wan is uh, checking to see if Luke's okay when he first enters the movie and he's got his hood still on. So I'm wondering if that <laughs> is stolen or not. And then we get more Howard Blake music when Flash is shot with the gauntlet gun. So he, he's, uh, he's, he's throughout this minute. This is his minute to shine, and it's tough. It's, it's And we've talked about it before. It's got to be really tough to be Howard Blank, where you're doing music, and you're putting so much effort into it, and you think you're, this is going to be big for you because it's this big-budget movie. And then all anyone talks about is, like, Queen did the soundtrack for, for, for Flash Gordon. It's like, oh, I, I, I was there. And uh, it's funny. This is the second movie I've done a minute-by-minute minute for where the same thing, not giving enough credit to the actual – not giving enough credit to people who produce the music because for Army of Darkness, for the entire movie, uh, Ryan and I thought the soundtrack was by Danny Elfman. And it turns out Danny Elfman just did like the march of the Army of Darkness. So one particular – when the army is descending upon the town folk – descending upon the town folk, that was the Danny Elfman song. The rest of the music was done by somebody completely different. I was like, oh, we suck. Man, that feels like life though, you know? I feel like that always happens to me. We're just not in that guy. It's not like I wrote the sound, the songs for a movie and then didn't get credit for it. But it's just like something happens. Like for a small example, like I'm at the bar and I take the bus spins back instead of asking the bussers to do it. And I unload them myself and bring them back. And as I'm leaving, they're like, hey, thanks for doing that to the other bartender. And I'm like, and you can't say anything because then you're the weirdo that's like, no, but I did that thing. I did that small piece. (laughs) Kind of let it happen where you're like, I'll allow it because I know it in my heart that it was me. Like when George Costanza gets angry, Elaine gets credit for buying the big salad. (laughs) 
<laughs> One quick note uh, about the original comic strip. Uh, Zarkov, uh, Flash and Dale thought Zarkov died when the ship crashes, and then it turns out uh, they later reveal Ming's minions pulled him out of the wreckage. So they skipped that plot point for the movie. Oh, okay. I, I, don't, think, I don't think that hurts. I don't think that hurts moving that. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference. There's a lot going on in this movie anyway, and the pacing is obviously much different in a movie than in a comic strip where comic strips... Well, the Flash... Flash Gordon, I think, is still produced. It's getting about 70, 80 years of uh, production. You can pace yourself. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to call, and I just loved it so much, is that pretty close, almost at the end of this minute, talking about music cues, they realize they're in real deep stuff and then they have the dun 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 music i was like oh i love it that's so obvious yeah that's that dramatic howard blake music right at the end there yep it's a piece it was a piece of music that almost sounded like a parody of that sort of music like that's something that would show up on an episode of a uh, treehouse of horror of the simpsons crystal best what, what else what other notes did you have on this minute i had one little tiny one it's more it's closer to the beginning and it's not really that big of a note but zarkov looks like <laughs> Real relaxed and chill inside that craft spaceship. Like, his legs kind of up on the ottoman, his legs stretched out on him. It looks like his hands are kind of tucked into the belt of his pants. Just kind of laying down, chilling. Or, like, Flash is kind of freaking out. He's, I think it's at minute or second 13, maybe? Oh, yeah, second 12. You see it, that really awesome where he's just got his, like, hand up. He just looks so comfortable. The rest of them look uncomfortable in their seats. They're stuck in their straps. Funny, but... Clearly, this is his spaceship. Yeah, he slept in the. He's taken naps in this spaceship before. Oh, he he must have. Yeah, he knows the comfortable spots. Very true. That's a good one. That's a good point out. And also, I think just uh, the character, and let's be honest, the actor is the one most comfortable in his skin. So uh, he he's relaxed. Yeah. Eric, anything else for this minute? No, no, no. We 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 got a we got two more great minutes uh, that we teed up for Crystal Beth this week. Huh, I'm so excited. We have so much more crazy stuff, and, and Crystal Beth is so fantastic having you with us. Uh, where should our listeners go to get some more Crystal Beth goodness? Oh, well, if you want to listen to my voice, you can travel over to iTunes and uh, Google Unlimited, or I guess suit. You know, if you're on iTunes, you're not going to Google it. You're going to search in iTunes. Make sure you click on podcasts first. And then go to the search, because I do that wrong all the time and end up in my library. Uh, the Fifth Element it and Unlimited Lives Radio are two podcasts I do. And you can follow me on social media at The Crystal Beth. Great podcast. And also, you've uh, just been making a real point over the last few years of making every minute-by-minute minute podcast better. And you've done it for us today. So uh, we're, we're really lucky to have you today. And I'm uh, really excited to have you for the rest of the week. Oh, thank you. I don't think I'm making them better. I'm just forcing them to have me... So I can talk about <laughs> movies I love. Eric, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? You can chat with us on Facebook, the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. We're on Twitter at Flash Gordon Pod, or send us an email, Flash Gordon Minute at gmail.com. Yeah, we love hearing from people, and uh, you know, please follow us on Twitter. Our friend Jarf Harden, uh, he's been uh, he, he's he's running the show on our social media because uh, we we can't do it. We're we're, we're, we're too busy <laughs> doing the show. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and Eric, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's great to start another week. We have a great guest. But I, uh, I do have a worry. Uh-huh. And my son, Chase, he's eight. Recently, he started talking about how he was pretty sure there's a monster under his bed. Ah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I just explained to him there's no such things as monsters. Don't worry about it. And he's like, well, his name's Floyd. Uh, he has five <laughs> tentacles. 
Uh, you know, he really uh, wants to eat the cat and just has a whole lot of backstory and understanding about it. And I'm not going to lie, uh, he's sort of convincing me. So uh, right now, I'm really worried that Chase is right and there is a monster under his bed and possibly all of our beds. Ah! Well, well, when when Count Floyd, the monster, uh, tries tries to get him, don't worry about it, because Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.